Hey, and welcome to The Living Stone, a digital ministry from Greystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's this week's scripture reading and sermon. For, to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so it will become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat Lord's Supper, for when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of God for the people of God. So seriously, I invite you to keep eating during the sermon if that is what you want to do. The inspiration for this service, which is obviously very different from all of our other communion services um, and all of our worship services, um, bubbled up uh, both through a recognition of Christian history, where the earliest churches we know gathered in homes and shared meals together, um, like the Passover meal or like the Last Supper, um, or just like a regular meal. Um, we know that eating was was central in the early churches. Um, so when we when we Last March sometime, I think it was the month of March, we did a book study on Rachel Held Evans' book called Searching for Sunday. Um, And those of you who are in the book study will remember this conversation. But when we got to the communion section, all of us in the room kind of felt like, well, Rachel's words have a way of helping us remember how ordinary sharing a meal together is, how ordinary and yet at the same time, how holy And the question bubbled up, why can't we have some, not every, but some communion experiences that remind us of the ordinary and holy nature of sharing a meal? And so that's where the vision for today's worship service comes from. I would like to read for you, uh, because those of you who are familiar with Rachel Held Evans, her words cannot be summarized more beautifully than she writes them. So I would like to share with you, um, she writes short chapters, so... I would like to share with you her chapter called Bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Luke 11, 3. After the rain, the farmer tilled the soil. One hand gripped the goad and the other steadied the plow as his oxen lumbered beneath the sun, furrowing the landscape with muddy ripples, brown as the wrinkles around his eyes. In autumn, Hope tasted like sweat and smelled of ox and earth and manure. An experienced farmer kept his eyes on the heaving shoulders of the beasts ahead and used his weight to nudge the plowshare down the steady path. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back, the teacher said, is fit for service in the kingdom of heaven. After the tilling, the sower scattered seeds, 
Some seeds fell on rocky soil to be scorched by the sun. Others fell on thorny soil to be choked out by the weeds. And still others were carried off by the wind to be eaten up by birds. But most sunk into the good soil where, in a tomb of darkness, they swelled and split open before breaking through the surface with a garish flash of green. This is what the kingdom of God is like, the teacher said. The seed sprouts and grows when the sower isn't watching. After the stalks grew tall and the heads heavy with grain, there was a singing and dancing and harvest. Bodies bent like scythes inched toward the fields, gathering wheat into sheaves. The threshing floor echoed with the rhythmic pounding of flails as women with arms as strong as olive trees loosened the grain from the chaff. At dusk, the children gathered to watch the winnowing forks pitch the last bit of chaff into the wind and send the rest of the bounty back to the earth like rain. The harvest is plentiful, the teacher said, but the workers are few. After the reaping, the handmills hummed. This, too, was women's work, grinding grain into flour. Mother and daughter sat at the mill, spinning the handstone over the kern. It took all morning, but by noon, a layer of white powder tickled their noses and speckled their hair. The mother teased the daughter about growing old in a day. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, the teacher said that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. 60 pounds of flour. Can you imagine that? After mixing the flour with water, the baker kneaded the dough, her hands calloused from the millstone grip and spotted from the sun, moved with quick precision as she folded and pressed and turned, folded and pressed and turned, folded and pressed and turned. Her surface was a simple wooden trowel, her kitchen a modest courtyard lit by the embers of a dying fire. Most of the time she added yeast and then waited for the dough to rise, but not on the days when her people remembered how liberation once caught them by surprise. On those days she sent it straight into the baking pan and watched until the top browned. The scent made her stomach rumble. I am the bread of life, the teacher said. Whoever comes to me, will never go hungry. What did he mean? After the sun set, the servant brought up the bread. In one hand, he balanced the loaves and the olive oil, and in the other, he carried a lamp to light his way up the stone stairs. His footsteps echoed too loudly, he thought, slowing down his pace. The mysterious company, once raucous with stories and songs, had quieted to sibilant whispers. Something about a betrayal. Something about a death. He kept his eyes on the floor as he approached the crowded table. But the teacher thanked him before he took the bread and, like thousands of men in Jerusalem that night, lifted his eyes and said, Blessed are thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. The Hamatzi, the blessing of the bread and its journey from earth to table. The Greeks called this kind of thanksgiving Eucharisto. After he blessed the bread, the teacher broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Take it. Eat it. Don't ever forget. After he blessed the wine, the teacher poured it and said, This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Take it. Drink it. 
Don't ever forget. After he left, the teacher was arrested. After he was arrested, the teacher was crucified. And after he was crucified, the teacher was seen alive. They knew him by how he broke the bread. After the upper room meal, the dog smelled the crumbs. His nose flared and his mouth watered as he scrambled up the stairs, paws scratching against the tone, the stone and frenzied patter. Soon he'd be chased out with a shout and a broom. But for a dog as skinny as he, even a few morsels would do. With animal abandon, he lapped up the spoils from under the table. Some breadcrumbs, a date, a scrap of fish, a few olives, and a taste of honey before his ears perked to the far-off sound of another hamatzi. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, the teacher said. This is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. The first thing that the world knew about Christians was that they were people who ate together. I wonder if we were to walk down the streets of downtown Raleigh and ask 10 random people to tell us one thing that they know to be true about Christians. Do you think anyone would say, oh yeah, Christians, those are those people who eat together. (laughs) It's a weird, quirky little trait that we have, but I hope somehow beneath all the layers that history has piled onto our tradition, I hope that this basic practice of eating together is still a definitive mark of Jesus' followers. In the earliest churches, people would gather together at the beginning of the week to share a meal. They would gather in homes because they didn't have churches built like we do. And because Jesus' movement tended to gather in people from the fringe of society, this meal was often the only place where rich and poor, slave and free, people of every gender and ethnicity would gather around a common table. Often it was a full meal, much like the one we're sharing this morning, a family dinner, except that at this meal, there was included a special prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer similar to the one that we heard earlier today, a prayer where we would give thanks for the bread and the wine. This expression of gratitude was called Eucharisto. This is where we get our most traditional high church language for communion, which of course is Eucharist. As the meal went on, people would tell stories about Jesus and his teachings. They remembered him and they remembered the way that he lived his life. The practice has been tweaked and modified over the years, of course, to fit different cultures and different communities. But the bread and the cup, the prayers of gratitude, the sharing of stories, and the open, wide welcome are the pieces that have endured. In many ways, you might say that this practice, this meal, the the nature of gathering around this table is the glue that has held us together. It makes me wonder if Jesus knew that the only glue possible to hold us all together was bread. Somebody said to me earlier as we were adding tables to the fold that if we really wanted people to come to church on a holiday weekend, we knew what to do, right? Bread. (laughs) 
or a casserole. <laughs> Even in its earliest expressions, differences threatened to tear the church apart. People had different life experiences, different social statuses, different ideas about solutions to all of the big problems, different memories about Jesus, what he did and what he said, different ideas about life after death, different theologies, different expressions of worship, different practices and different preferences about what songs they should sing and instruments they should use and what psalms they should read in worship, different hopes, different dreams, but all of them shared one common mission to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Jesus said. Paul's words to the Corinthian Christians are evidence that he is aware of what is happening in the churches. The meals shared in homes at the beginning of the week had begun, begun to look like the meals shared on any ordinary day. The high-class guests were coming in, getting the better seats, the better food, a better experience, and those in lower statuses were kind of held in the courtyard there to receive the remnants. The Jesus meal had stopped looking like the tables around which Jesus gathered, and so Paul calls out the Corinthians and calls them to remember the way that Jesus taught us to be, not the way Jesus taught us to think, but to be. It is no coincidence that the words, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians, have become our shared words at the communion table. Did they sound familiar to you? Perhaps we too could use a regular reminder that all of our differences are checked outside at the door. Here at the table, we are all one. We're all united in our resolve and our mission to bring God's kingdom here to earth. And here at this table, we see, we taste, and we remember the very nature of that kingdom. The first thing the world knew about Christians is that they were people who ate together. It was a countercultural expression of love and welcome. Christians were the people who were nourished by God, and therefore Christians are a people who nourish the world with love with grace, with kindness, with goodness, with bread, and with wine. The first thing the world knew about Christians is that they ate together. Maybe that's the thing we need most to rediscover, the gift and the grace of a shared meal.